0: Part Two, Chapter Six of O Pioneers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. O Pioneers by Willa Cather. Part Two, Neighboring Fields. Chapter Six. At dinner that day Alexandra said she thought they must really manage to go over to the Shabbatas that afternoon. "'It's not often I let three days go by without seeing Marie. She will think I have forsaken her, now that my old friend has come back.' After the men had gone back to work, Alexandra put on a white dress and her sun-hat, and she and Karl set forth across the fields. "'You see, we have kept up the old path, Carl.' "'It has been so nice for me to feel that there was a friend at the other end of it again.' Karl smiled a little ruefully. "'All the same, I hope it hasn't been quite the same.' Alexandra looked at him with surprise. "'Why, no, of course not. Not the same. She could not very well take your place, if that's what you mean. I'm friendly with all my neighbours, I hope, but Marie is really a companion, someone I can talk to, quite frankly.' "'You wouldn't want me to be more lonely than I have been, would you?' Carl laughed, and pushed back the triangular lock of hair with the edge of his hat. "'Of course I don't. "'I ought to be thankful that this path hasn't been worn by—well, by friends with more pressing errands than your little bohemian is likely to have.' He paused, to give Alexandra his hand, as she stepped over the stile. "'Are you the least bit disappointed in our coming together again?' he asked abruptly. Is it the way you hoped it would be? Alexandra smiled at this. Only better. When I've thought about your coming, I've sometimes been a little afraid of it. You have lived where things move so fast, and everything is slow here, the people slowest of all. Our lives are like the years, all made up of weather and crops and cows. How you hated cows! She shook her head and laughed to herself. I didn't when we milked together. I walked up to the pasture-corners this morning. I wonder whether I shall ever be able to tell you all that I was thinking about up there. It's a strange thing, Alexandra. I find it easy to be frank with you about everything under the sun, except yourself. You are afraid of hurting my feelings, perhaps? Alexandra looked at him thoughtfully. No, I'm afraid of giving you a shock. You've seen yourself for so long in the dull minds of the people about you, that if I were to tell you how you seem to me, it would startle you. But you must see that you astonish me. You must feel when people admire you. Alexandra blushed and laughed with some confusion. I felt that you were pleased with me, if you mean that. And you felt when other people were pleased with you, he insisted. Well, sometimes the men in town, at the banks and the county offices, seem glad to see me. "'I think myself it is more pleasant to do business with people who are clean and healthy-looking,' she admitted blandly. Carl gave a little chuckle as he opened the Shabatas' gate for her. "'Oh, do you?' he asked dryly. There was no sign of life about the Shabatas' house except a big yellow cat sunning itself on the kitchen doorstep. Alexandra took the path that led to the orchard. She often sits there and sews. I didn't telephone her we were coming, because I didn't want her to go to work and bake cakes and freeze ice-cream. She'll always make a party if you give her the least excuse. Do you recognize the apple-trees, Carl?' Lindstrom looked about him. "'I wish I had a dollar for every bucket of water I've carried for those trees. Poor father! He was an easy man, but he was perfectly merciless when it came to watering the orchard.' "'That's one thing I like about Germans. "'They make an orchard grow if they can't make anything else. "'I'm so glad these trees belong to someone who takes comfort in them. "'When I rented this place, the tenants never kept the orchard up, "'and Emil and I used to come over and take care of it ourselves. "'It needs mowing now. "'There she is, down in the corner. "'Maria!' she called." A recumbent figure started up from the grass and came running toward them through the flickering screen of light and shade. "'Look at her! Isn't she like a little brown rabbit?' Alexandra laughed. Maria ran up panting and threw her arms about Alexandra. "'Oh, I had begun to think you were not coming at all, maybe. I knew you were so busy. Yes, Emil told me about Mr. Linsome being here. Won't you come up to the house?' Why not sit down there in your corner? Carl wants to see the orchard. He kept all these trees alive for years, watering them with his own back. Marie turned to Carl. Then I'm thankful to you, Mr. Lindstrom. We'd never have bought the place if it hadn't been for this orchard, and then I wouldn't have had Alexandra either. She gave Alexandra's arm a little squeeze as she walked beside her. How nice your dress smells, Alexandra! You put rosemary leaves in your chest, like I told you she led them to the northwest corner of the orchard, sheltered on one side by a thick mulberry hedge, and bordered on the other by a wheat-field, just beginning to yellow. In this corner the ground dipped a little, and the blue-grass, which the weeds had driven out in the upper part of the orchard, grew thick and luxuriant. Wild roses were flaming in the tufts of bunch-grass along the fence. Under a white mulberry-tree there was an old wagon-seat, Beside it lay a book and a work-basket. "'You must have the seat, Alexandra. The grass would stain your dress,' the hostess insisted. She dropped down on the ground at Alexandra's side and tucked her feet under her. Carl sat at a little distance from the two women, his back to the wheat-field, and watched them. Alexandra took off her shade-hat and threw it on the ground. Marie picked it up and played with the white ribbons, twisting them about her brown fingers as she talked. They made a pretty picture in the strong sunlight, the leafy pattern surrounding them like a net, the Swedish woman, so white and gold, kindly and amused, but armoured in calm, and the alert brown one, her full lips parted, points of yellow light dancing in her eyes as she laughed and chattered. Karl had never forgotten little Marie Tovesky's eyes, and he was glad to have an opportunity to study them. The brown iris, he found, "'was curiously slashed with yellow, "'the colour of sunflower honey, or of old amber. "'In each eye one of these streaks "'must have been larger than the others, "'for the effect was that of two dancing points of light, two little yellow bubbles, "'such as rise in a glass of champagne. "'Sometimes they seemed like the sparks from a forge. "'She seemed so easily excited, "'to kindle with a fierce little flame "'if one but breathed upon her. "'What a waste!' Carl reflected. "'She ought to be doing all that for a sweetheart. "'How awkwardly things come about!' "'It was not very long before Marie sprang up out of the grass again. "'Wait a moment. I want to show you something.' "'She ran away and disappeared behind the low-growing apple-trees. "'What a charming creature!' Carl murmured. "'I don't wonder that her husband is jealous. "'But can't she walk? Does she always run?' "'Alexandra nodded. "'Always?' I DON'T SEE MANY PEOPLE, BUT I DON'T BELIEVE THERE ARE MANY LIKE HER ANYWHERE. MARIE CAME BACK WITH A BRANCH SHE HAD BROKEN FROM AN APRICOT TREE, LADEN WITH PALE YELLOW, PINK-CHEEKED FRUIT. SHE DROPPED IT BESIDE CARL. DID YOU PLANT THOSE, TOO? THEY ARE SUCH BEAUTIFUL LITTLE TREES. CARL FINGERED THE BLUE-GREEN LEAVES, POROUS LIKE BLOTTING PAPER, AND SHAPED LIKE BIRCH-LEAVES, HUNG ON WAXEN RED STEMS. "'Yes, I think I did. Are these the circus-trees, Alexandra?' "'Shall I tell her about them?' Alexandra asked. "'Sit down like a good girl, Marie, and don't ruin my poor hat, and I'll tell you a story. A long time ago, when Carl and I were, say, sixteen and twelve, a circus came to Hanover, and we went to town in our wagon, with Lou and Oscar, to see the parade. We hadn't money enough to go to the circus.' We followed the parade out to the circus grounds, and hung around until the show began, and the crowd went inside the tent. Then Lou was afraid we looked foolish standing outside in the pasture, so we went back to Hanover, feeling very sad. There was a man in the streets selling apricots, and we had never seen any before. He had driven down from somewhere up in the French country, and he was selling them twenty-five cents a peck. We had a little money our fathers had given us for candy, and I bought two pecks, and Carl bought one. They cheered us a good deal, and we saved all the seeds and planted them. Up until the time Carl went away they hadn't borne at all. "'And now he's come back to eat them,' cried Marie, nodding at Carl. "'That is a good story. I can remember you a little, Mr. Lindstrom. I used to see you in Hanover sometimes, when Uncle Joe took me to town.' I remember you because you were always buying pencils and tubes of paint at the drug store. Once, when my uncle left me at the store, you drew a lot of little birds and flowers for me on a piece of wrapping paper. I kept them for a long while. I thought you were very romantic, because you could draw and had such black eyes." Carl smiled. Yes, I remember that time. "'Your uncle bought you some kind of mechanical toy, "'a Turkish lady sitting on an ottoman and smoking a hookah, wasn't it? "'And she turned her head backwards and forwards. "'Oh, yes, wasn't she splendid? "'I knew well enough I ought not to tell Uncle Joe I wanted it, "'for he had just come back from the saloon and was feeling good. "'You remember how he laughed? "'She tickled him, too. "'But when we got home, my aunt scolded him for buying toys "'when she needed so many things. "'We wound our lady up every night.' And when she began to move her head my aunt used to laugh as hard as any of us. It was a music-box, you know, and the Turkish lady played a tune while she smoked. That was how she made you feel so jolly. As I remember her, she was lovely, and had a gold crescent on her turban." Half an hour later, as they were leaving the house, Carl and Alexandra were met in the path by a strapping fellow in overalls and a blue shirt. He was breathing hard, as if he had been running, and was muttering to himself. Marie ran forward, and taking him by the arm, gave him a little push toward her guests. "'Frank, this is Mr. Lindstrom.' Frank took off his broad straw hat and nodded to Alexandra. When he spoke to Carl, he showed a fine set of white teeth. He was burned a dull red down to his neckband, and there was a heavy three days' stubble on his face. Even in his agitation he was handsome but he looked a rash and violent man. Barely saluting the callers, he turned at once to his wife and began, in an outraged tone, "'I had to leave my team to drive the old woman Hiller's hogs out of my wheat. I go to take that old woman to the court if she ain't careful, I tell you.' His wife spoke soothingly, "'But, Frank, she has only her lame boy to help her. She does the best she can.' Alexandra looked at the excited man and offered a suggestion. "'Why don't you go over there some afternoon and hog her fences? You'd save time for yourself in the end.' Frank's neck stiffened. "'Not a much I won't. I keep my hogs home. Other peoples can do like me. See? If that Lewis can mend shoes, he can mend fence.' "'Maybe,' said Alexandra placidly. "'But I found it sometimes pays to mend other people's fences.' "'Good-bye, Marie. Come to see me soon.' Alexandra walked firmly down the path, and Carl followed her. Frank went into the house and threw himself on the sofa, his face to the wall, his clenched fist on his hip. Marie, having seen her guests off, came in and put her hand coaxingly on his shoulder. "'Poor Frank! You've run until you've made your headache, now haven't you? Let me make you some coffee.' "'What else am I to do?' he cried hotly, in bohemian. "'Am I to let any old woman's hogs root up my wheat? "'Is that what I work myself to death for?' "'Don't worry about it, Frank. "'I'll speak to Mrs. Hiller again. "'But really, she almost cried last time they got out. "'She was so sorry.' "'Frank bounced over on his other side. "'That's it. "'You always side with them against me. "'They all know it. "'Anybody here feels free to borrow the mower and break it, "'or turn their hogs in on me.' They know you won't care." Marie hurried away to make his coffee. When she came back, he was fast asleep. She sat down and looked at him, for a long while, very thoughtfully. When the kitchen clock struck six, she went out to get supper, closing the door gently behind her. She was always sorry for Frank, when he worked himself into one of these rages, and she was sorry to have him rough and quarrelsome with his neighbours. She was perfectly aware that the neighbors had a good deal to put up with, and that they bore with Frank for her sake. End of chapter six of section two.